0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of Toxicology, brought to you by Recovery Unplugged. Here at Toxicology, we talk all things addiction, recovery, and mental health. Tonight's guest, alumni coordinator, Zachary Elliott. I'm your co-host, Jason Cabello, and as always, your host and mine, Joseph Gorordo. Oh, the claps. (laughs) Hey. 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 The Ooh. boys are back in town. The boys are
1: back. We are both in town. Welcome to Toxicology, Jason, making it by the skin of his teeth.
0: That was close. <laughs> For those For, of you at home, I uh, yeah. I forgot to get the intro. I've been very busy doing uh, Recovery Unplugged stuff, and just a few minutes ago, behind the scenes, Greg texted me and said, intro, question mark? And I said, oh, shit. <laughs> I looked like the, the Tasmanian devil... Coming through here, so good to hey be here. Hey, Jackie from
1: Ohio, welcome back. I feel like I've seen your name before. Yeah, thanks for coming out. And
0: uh, you know,
1: here on Toxicology, we, we are the the greatest uh, recovery, mental health, addiction podcast in the by far. known universe. Like by far, like it's not by even it's not, not even a not even competition. Um, it's like when you look at the statistics for Usain Bolt's records versus everyone else's
0: records. Like that's what I always say. I say we're the Usain yeah. Bolt of of. <laughs> mental health podcasts on at uh 7 p.m central on (laughs) Um,
1: but um either way if you found yourself listening to us whether it be live or um on audio on on all the different podcast platforms welcome welcome if you're here live today please you know hop in the chat introduce yourself um feel free to talk amongst yourselves maybe you'll even get mentioned on the show which is every little boy and girl's dream growing up right (laughs)
0: I hope not. So,
1: uh, Jason, uh, I'm having a great day today. Me too.
0: Really? I really. Awesome. This is great. You don't have anything to gripe about today. No lie, one hundred percent. Like having having a good day. So, thankfully, because that little hiccup there with me having to scramble at the last minute, that's the kind of thing that usually would set me off if I wasn't derail the rest of your day. Yeah, but no, I really am. So, why why are you in such a good mood? No, no, you go first. I want to hear your great day first. Um, just I, so I woke up today, not not feeling that way, and you know, I, I was talking to my mom. You know what I realized? I talk about my mom a lot. It's like on in podcast almost land, almost every I, episode. I, I seem like a mama's boy. I come. It's like when the camera add 10, 10 pounds. Like the the live stream yeah. makes me come off like a mama's boy. That's so weird. <laughs> um, so I'm talking to my mom today, and. We, we have a washer and dryer at our new house, and it's a washer slash dryer. So it's one of those that, like, you put the clothes in, you push the button, washes and dries. Wait, I didn't even know that existed. It does exist. and Gosh. But there's a reason that you don't know why, because it doesn't work well. It's a terrible idea, <laughs> because it takes, like, the wash cycle works fine, but the, the drying part takes, like, a day or two. <laughs> like, yeah, I might as well just, oh my. just line drive my line dry it. But, you know, I was talking to my mom, and I was like, this thing, it's driving me nuts, blah, 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 it takes so long to dry. And then she was just like, six years ago, you didn't have a washer or dryer. Or anything to put in it. Or anything um. to put in it. So <laughs> that, that, that set my day in, a, in, the, in the right direction. So thank you, Mom. Wonderful.
1: I, uh, I got to go to the Texas State Capitol today, and... At one point in my life, I was a political science major. So getting to go to the Capitol, regardless of the politics of the building I am in, is a, is a treat for me. I got, to go, I got to go meet my rep and talk to him about uh, harm reduction and addiction resources and mental health needs in our communities. And it was super cool. Um, he was actually really chill. Um, shout out State Representative John Busey III. His birthday i'm three days older than him we figured this out wow yeah yeah okay. yeah so <laughs> do you
0: usually, but that was... whenever, whenever you meet like a some sort of like official do you always ask him their birthday just like incidentally
1: no i just you know we were talking about something i was like i think we're about the same age and he's like when's your birthday i was like no he said how old are you i said i'm about to be 38 he said me too he said when's your birthday i said june 23rd he said i'm june 26th hey wow um, yeah Um, but I got to do that. And second piece of great news, I just posted about it on Facebook, the book it program from the nineties. Remember where you, you might've been a little old for this, Jason, but back in the nineties, if you read five books during the summer, you'd get little stickers and you'd put them on this pin and you would take the pin with all the stickers to pizza hut and they would give you a personal pan pizza. And this was in the glory days of pizza hut, (laughs) like salad (laughs) bar, they, they sold out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, salad bar, Mrs. Pac-Man game in the back. The personal pan pizza would come out in like one of these deep dish
0: skillets.
1: I, I remember
0: the deep dish skillets. The bucket thing was a little bit past my, uh, my time. And I, I probably did read five books in the 90s, so I could have. <laughs> you could have gotten one pizza. <laughs> one pizza. Um, speaking of books, you reading anything? I am. I am reading um, Sicker in the Head by Judd Apatow. And it's, Ooh, nice. it's just a bunch of interviews that he conducted during the pandemic. But it's got like my favorite, one of my favorite skateboarders of all time, Ed Templeton in there, who's also a a very, very um, accomplished artist now. And he's more known for that in the art world. Well, yeah, in the art world, he's he's very respected now. He's come a long way from doing, if you ever remember Toy Machine, the company, that's Ed Templeton. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So Ed Templeton's in it. David Letterman's in it, who is another one of my my heroes. Um,
1: oh, you know they just dropped some new episodes on Netflix of I his show. Do. I yeah. do. Yeah.
0: Will Smith is one of them. I don't know if I want to. If I'm gonna watch that one or not. Oh
1: no, I want to watch the Billie Eilish one. I'm fascinated. She's brilliant. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: What about you? What are you reading?
1: I actually just finished reading the first book in the uh, His Dark Materials mm-hmm. trilogy. Um, which that one is the. The Golden Compass that I just finished reading. So I have the second one sitting on my nightstand right now.
0: Is that its own it universe to... or is that from
1: it's its own universe? Yeah, okay. yeah. It's it's really cool. There's these things called uh panzerbjorns, which which is I believe is Russian or German for uh armored bear. Oh. And that just that tells you a lot intense. about the universe. Yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. So um, one of our favorite um Shared books is they're, they're doing a documentary, the Meet Me in the Bathroom. Oh, really? Yeah, there's. A, I was gonna, I was actually gonna talk to you offline about that, but yeah, the documentary's coming out. We'll have to go to Alamo and see it when it comes out.
1: I love that book. You know, what's interesting is when you recommended I read that book, I, I finally realized, like, oh, like oral histories are a genre I enjoy. I'd already yeah. read a couple of other books, but that was the one when I was like, oh, wait, there's a pattern here oral Especially, histories
0: of specific times and music sh- scenes right so for for those of you who who might not know meet me in the bathroom is an oral history of the late late 90s to early 2000s um new york city underground music scene mm-hmm. so it has a, a lot of great bands like tv on the radio jonathan fire eater yeah, um, yeah yeahs. the yeah yeah Yeahs, the strokes mm-hmm. um and it's just like firsthand tales of, of you know what was going on, and it's great because there'll be one story and all these conflicting versions of what happened. Like yes. I, I love stuff like that, especially like that. That's where audiobooks books really, um, I think, do it a little bit more justice than maybe reading it because you can't hear, do it. You can't do it. Can't okay. do it. I'm, I'm trying My to get back. work that way. Okay.
1: But you know what? People people are here not for our pop culture recommendations. People are here to hear about recovery. And one one really special thing that happened. To me this week, I don't know if it was special for you, Jason, but I got to hear Jason Cabello tell his story this week. You guys, uh, Jason was the featured speaker at the recovery on plug slash Crestone wellness Memorial day barbecue.
0: One person looking, at, paying attention to me at that point, everybody's doing their own thing. That's how good it is. You know
1: was. what? You've been <laughs> to recovery in know, the park type events before. That's how it is. <laughs> yeah. Kids running around in the background. Uh, people looking for some more barbecued chicken while you're while you're just spilling your guts. Um yeah. but Jason, you did a really good job. I had never heard your whole story. I've heard lots of little bits and pieces. You talked about your mom that day too. I'm so, sure I did. <laughs> <laughs> uh you almost made me cry. I'm super proud. Of you when is your six years is coming up, huh?
0: Yeah, on um Tuesday. 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 So what's that? June ninth? Seventh. June seventh, right on. Yeah six seven one six which is six, uh, seven, once, yeah. yeah six years man that's it's and you know you know it's funny we we had one of these events at recovery unplugged in fort lauderdale when i was um maybe like a week into treatment and i don't know if you were working for us were you i i started
1: in- working in 2016.
0: OK, so maybe this is when you June
1: stuff. 13th, 2016. Oh, So you, you, my
0: first you, you probably had just missed the, the invite then because that's a, that's around the time it was um, and I remember being there because it was on property and I was like, man, that'd be so cool if I like one day I got to speak at one of these. And, you know, and, I, and there you go. It, it happened.
1: Lifelong dream.
0: And, you know, it was the coolest thing about it and, and why why I do this like my job is one thing. This podcast is part of that, even though I enjoy it very much. But when guys will come up to me afterwards and ask like, Hey man, you think you could, can I call you? Like, can you help me out? Maybe work some steps with me and stuff. And we did it. And I got like five guys who, um, I gave their number to three of them called already and, um, I get to give it back. And that's, that's the most important thing about this, because if I stop doing that then it doesn't then it doesn't mean anything anymore. You know what I mean It's like I rest on my laurels, I think I've got this made, and then I turn into a lion' sack of something. <laughs> you know what I mean it's like it, it, it's no i, I all mean, of honestly, a
1: sudden you're averse to cussing <laughs>
0: am, am i I'm sorry um, but no like <clears throat> I, I've always noticed that people who I know who've had many years and they relapse it's because. They don't do that anymore. They don't they don't think that they need to do that. You know, maybe some yeah. do. And and I just nobody I've known, but um, yeah, that's what can't keep what we have without giving it away. So
1: yeah, that's always a good feeling, right? Like you 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 tell your story and you're questioning yourself and doubting yourself the whole time and people clap and that inner critic in you is like they're just clapping because they're being polite. But then right. someone comes up to you afterwards and it's like my favorite is when they say, "Like, oh my god, that one really random thing you mentioned in the middle of your story—that exact thing happened to me." Right. And I've never heard anybody else say that. It's like, "Oh yeah." Um,
0: and your and, son, your son was with you, and he—that—that that probably meant the most to me. When your 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 son, how old is he? How how old is Jackson? my ten
1: year old Jackson? As yeah. for for the viewers at home, um, you know we'd have been at this barbecue for a while and Jackson came with me and, you know, Jason was about 10 minutes into his his story. And I was like, Jackson, we're going to wait about another 10 minutes and we can go. Cause I figured he was bored, you know? Um, and he was like, no, uh, not if Jason's not done yet. And I was like, Oh, okay. All right. then." So
0: that that was was the coolest part of it. That was really, that was really sweet. Um,
1: So, um, speaking of, uh, you know, you mentioned that you, after you finished talking, you know, Five Guys came up to you. So speaking of Five Guys, um, tonight's guest, <laughs> don't even, no, no, you're, you're thinking wrong. Tonight's guest is, is, to is a the huge, he's a huge fan of burgers from Five Guys, which seems to be an East Coast thing. But um, yeah, without any further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Zachary Elliott. Hello,
0: Zach. That was uh,
1: quite
2: an interesting uh, intro there.
1: You like that transition? Do you actually like Five Guys Burgers and Fries?
2: I mean, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say no. <laughs>
1: okay. <laughs> okay. I, yeah. I personally feel that they have the best French fries of any of those kind of
0: regional burger joints. All right. Joseph was just projecting his love for Five Guys. I, I think so. Yeah. That's cool though. That was, that was a good. <laughs> You know, if I'm gonna
2: plug anything. Plug Shake Shack. I like their their stuff a lot. Oh, we're happen? gonna
1: start a blood
0: feud. Yeah. See,
1: Shake Shack's fries are weak. I don't. I weak don't fries. That's we'll we'll talk after. And sure.
0: now a word from our sponsor, Shake Shack. <laughs> <Whoops>. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Look, Zach, you gotta get them to fly you down to Texas, and I'll take you to Whataburger. Okay. Yeah. That, that sounds good. I'm there. All right. Yeah. Perfect. All right. I'll talk to Andrew. <laughs> So, Zach, before we get into who you are and your story and, uh, you know, all, all the great information you have for us today, be, because we are sponsored by Recovery Unplugged and we are music nerds ourselves, um, we like to start things off with something that we call the spinny wheel of songs. There once was a wheel, it was a special wheel, it was a magical wheel, it was the best damn wheel, it's the spinny Wheel of songs. (laughs) Da-da-da-da! So epic. So good. All right. Let's see what our question is today. Hit it, Greg. a song that gives me gratitude zach we're not gonna put you on the spot i'm gonna have jason go first
0: um there is a song by the group lucius called two of us on the run and i started i heard it when i was probably maybe like seven or eight months clean and i was like riding the bus a lot to work before i started working for recovery unplugged and it's just a very like soothing song Um, two female vocalists and it's, it it, it really just, it was one of those things like it says there's two of us on the run going so far. Everything we have has come undone. And I'm not going to go through the lyrics. You People could look it up, but it, it, it gives me a lot of gratitude. And then when my girlfriend and I took our first road trip, it was, um, my first birthday after we were together that we would listen to that song and it just it really made me like really 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 grateful for where i was so Lucius, love two it. of us on the run
1: love it love it i'm gonna have to look that one up so mine is is a little out of left field um i'm gonna say erica badu on and on the reason that it gives me gratitude is um my dad bought me that cd when i was a kid the live the erica badu live album and we like the only thing we ever really connected on was certain musical artists so we both really dug that song and then i've seen i've oddly enough i've seen erica badu live like three times um lilith fair in the 90s um <laughs> randomly during south pie and then at acl last year and just that song you know it's got that right Tempo, it's got that right little hi hat kick, you know, and uh, just something about just the whole thing from from the the chord structure to the music to the lyrics just makes me feel grateful for lots of things. Yeah, so I'm gonna go with Erica Badu on and on now. Now, Zach, what you got, bud? All right, so
2: what I what when the it first came up. The first thing that popped into my mind was, uh, when, uh, I was in early recovery driving around with a really good friend and, um, he and I really like fangirled out over Miley Cyrus's younger now, cause you know, we were at that like pink cloud, like uh, moment in our journey where everything was good and the lyrics just like really spoke to where we were you know i was a little bit older so it really like i was like oh my gosh i do feel so much younger now
1: You
2: know? <laughs> uh, yeah and yeah that that was it that was the, that's the song that first came to my, my mind the second was like after that I, I you know overthought it too much and there's a i can't remember the song and I, the name, the title of the song—it's a John Prine song that I remember my parents listening to while I was growing up. And just remembering that song took me back to a place of, you know, just of peace. So maybe that's yeah. more in gratitude, but it's all
1: good. Uh, yeah, your, your you can be—you can be, you can be grateful for
2: peace.
1: I, yeah. well, I'm grateful for peace. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to finally. You know, so for... did, did you guys have? You know, I had this this. Like, period of time in early recovery i want to say it was like kind of between 60 to 90 days where like i was very pink cloudy and like everything made me cry but like in a good way yeah, you know what absolutely. i mean like yeah, i have uh, yeah i still have that you you <laughs> well you sparked it for me because you were talking about like that song with your buddy and i remember i had one friend with a vehicle And we would ride to meetings together. There was like five of us from the sober house would pile into his truck because his parents bought him a truck when he got out of rehab. It was one of those. Mm -hmm. And he had a mix CD that had... It was real random. It was like Ryan Adams, Come Pick Me Up. uh, Kid Cudi, before he had an album out. It was like demo Kid Cudi songs. And, uh, And like this acoustic emo band called... Oh my god. I'm not gonna remember this acoustic emo band. Oh, never shout never. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: we sure. just cried. I would cry all the time to all these songs. I'd be mean, like, look, look at the tree. Oh my god. Yeah, well, I yeah, I remember my world opening up like I I with my first paycheck I got like Spotify premium. And it was like it changed my life, you know, because I used to collect records and I had a huge record collection because as you know, Joseph, that my parents were in the music business, so I had all their records and I was a DJ for a lot of years and I, I would spin vinyl. So I had a ton of records, but I lost that in a, in a divorce and it was, uh, you know, it, it was not so cool, but, you know, whatever, it, it happens. And when Spotify, when I got my premium Spotify, it was like I felt back there again, like I could pick the song that I wanted to hear and listen to it. I didn't have to go to YouTube and then listen to a commercial. So that 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 meant a lot to me.
1: Yeah.
0: Well let's get let, let's let's get to Zach here. So Zach, you work
1: at Recovery Unplugged in Florida, right? That is a fact. I have no idea you're alumni, right? You're in the alumni department? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I checked your I creeped your Sorry. Facebook profile right before we did this and it said your job was Shady activities at Pines.
2: <laughs> no, let's let's not make it sound that that uh twisted. It was uh activities director at the shadiest pine. Pines a fictitious retirement home that's in my head that I am waiting to go
0: to. That sounds cool, man. i am I'm, I'm almost there. We're about the same um, age. We can we can yeah, hit the retirement yeah. home together. <laughs> uh, but so Zach, tell us, you know,
1: um tell us just a little bit, you know, of you know. Where did you start? What happened? How'd you end up here? You know, what 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 did your journey into recovery look like?
2: Oof, long, long, lots of uh, banging my head against the same wall over and over. Um, you know, it's <clears throat> starts off. I think like I've heard a lot of people say where you know you as a as a child um, you just don't feel you, you you belong. You fit in. You don't know your place. It's you, you feel like an outsider looking in, and um, I've just heard that a lot, and it's always resonated with me because that's how I felt. And I didn't know if I necessarily felt that way because of addiction or because I wasn't heteronormative as a child, and there there weren't real, you know, there's stuff back then you didn't know too much because I'm old and it was the '70s. Um, but you know, so stuff like that. So I and I never really thought found my voice. You know, I never really used a voice. So in that also, I never really felt heard. Um, I didn't know myself. What I did know about myself, I didn't like because I had uh, these uh, words from society, I guess. I remember one of like the weird memories from my childhood that like really still stands out and just makes me question a lot of things about how I would know such a thing at such a young age is... um, the people i had the most contact with like playtime were like my cousins like on my dad's side and they were uh three females so you know i was the second youngest we played barbies and everything and um i remember like one christmas time i must have been around like six i want to say my dad said we can go to the i go to the store get whatever i want at the toy store and without him even saying anything just even like me at that age approaching the aisle covered in pink sent shame into me Mm -hmm. i i was embarrassed i was mortified and i don't know how i even knew at that age that that was wrong my parents were very progressive liberal hippies it's not like i was raised in some sort of you know not nurturing environment for that but it was still it it just stuck with me so i don't you know somewhere along the way without like my parents um Uh, without their input, I learned that what I what I thought I had learned what I was inside was wrong.
1: Yeah, well, but, you know, I think I think we, we a lot of times we underestimate like the impact of like societal norms, right? Like, you know, a lot of uh, you know, with the recent "don't say gay" thing, right? And I don't want to get super political, but one of the one of the one of the motives for that was you know, for for children who are LGBTQ to see examples of themselves in the books, the movies, the TV shows, et cetera, they portray. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I think we've come a long way in, in, you know, in in the last 20 years or so, but I mean, in the 70s, there... Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, there was, you know, nothing. I mean, what I had in the
2: 70s was, you know, for at that age were Saturday morning cartoons. So you had like the very male like ones that boys would watch, you'd have the fluffy ones that girls would watch, and then in between there'd be the smurfs, you know, which were more on the feminine side anyway. So it's something that like obviously I absorbed, right? In the 70s there, I mean, at that age, what are you really looking for other than like cartoons? But even getting older, there was the only depiction of um, non-heteronormative folk were always, very like on the the male side would be very ex, like flamboyant and yeah. comedic relief. Same, but the other end of the spectrum for like females, you know, they'd be the large women, Marge, like, and POEs. large Marge, yeah. like that type of thing. Very hyper-masculine women.
1: You know, I recently right. rewatched. I recently rewatched Friends with my wife, and you know, which doesn't feel like a show from that that long ago. But there is literally a homophobic joke in every single episode of that show yeah um, really that, that very that very like oh like uh, there was an episode where like Chandler hugged a guy or something and they were like, oh, oh, oh you hugged a guy you know <laughs> mm-hmm. like if, if that that vaguest implication is just like the m- most horrible thing that you could right. think right so um, I mean
2: yeah. So growing up, even like people in that time, which we we think is not that long ago. So, yes, it has made great strides. Right. Yeah. Like Any progress is good progress. Yeah. But, you know, obviously yeah. we people always have more progress to make. Yeah. But that, you know, that's we've gotten on that topic real quick.
1: Yeah. But so so at a young age, you know, you say you, you you kind of already knew you were different, but didn't necessarily have the language to put to the language. It or, no, or, and
2: then yeah. you know, coupled with like, as I got older, I was um, I, I presented as more effeminate. My voice was higher, so that's when like the the bullying began, right? Mm-hmm. So all that like played into everything, and um, you know, I pretty I I was very withdrawn. You know, I riddled with anxiety in school, uh, like if the teacher called on me it was the worst day in class or if I had to like talk give like reports in front you know anything anything school related I did everything to you know buck school I was sick all the time mm-hmm. stuff like that I mean so yeah there was things in my childhood which I'm sure everyone has in their childhood but I mm-hmm. chose to you know go real inward and like the moment that I remember that my first like encounter with substance was um, at. Um, a, it was either a bar or bot mitzvah, you know, like all like the, the parents leaving like their drinks around the tables and everything. And I just went around and started drinking them. And the feeling that that like the warm rush, the the like the anxiety just dripped away. I felt like I I was fixed for that moment, you know? So, I mean, it was just, it was that. And then it, it progressed really quickly. Granted, that was like, it, I was probably 11 or 12 at that time, but my using really, it, it was very sporadic then, but at 14, it just, it just launched into the.
1: So, so prior to that experience at 11 or 12 years old, like, was there any other situation where you'd experienced something similar, like a feeling of security or safe? like, did you have a safe place? or a safe person prior to that where you could feel you know just that anxiety go away or was that like literally the first time that was
2: literally the first time i didn't have uh a good like around that time i started getting friends right like a good group of friends but even that like they i i didn't let that it was all an act you know i put on the performance that i thought they wanted to see right Prior to that, no, I didn't have, like, I, I really, like, I guess when I, when I was younger with my cousins, you know, like they stayed close and, you know, they knew me from a young age. So it's not like anything ever had to be said, but, uh, you know, distance and stuff and getting older, you don't see.
0: Your so knowing, knowing what I know about you and, you know, we, we have a lot of similar interests as far as music and things like that, I assume that when you were an adolescent, a, a young teen, you kind of gravitated towards like the punk rock people, the the more artsy type people. And mm-hmm. then to find even that, how divisive that is when you go to like a punk show, it was like way more open minded than anywhere else in the world. But then once mm-hmm. you got in, it was still as divisive as high school. It was right. like, you know, people throwing around the F word a lot. Um, mm-hmm. Some of the more gutter punk, some of the skinhead guys would probably be, you know, where, where you thought this was a safe space where you're like, Oh, okay. I'm, I'm welcome to be kind of a freak here. I'm welcome to be kind of an outcast and it's celebrated to a point. Yes. Know?
2: Yes. I mean, there, there was that. And again, like the, the, I'll be who you want me to be. So you will allow me in, which was still, you know, incredibly lonely. Like that's the loneliest place to be is around people. And, no one knows you,
0: right? Yeah.
1: So, uh, so you 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 first drank and you know experienced something that I don't think most people experience. You know, uh, I, I think that's that's unique to people like us, right? That that instant relief and uh, I heard it once described as suddenly being able to breathe with your full lung capacity, and that always mm-hmm. stuck with me. So, uh, so how did it start progressing, and and you know, how did mm-hmm. it get to the point when you first started? you know, seeking or thinking that recovery might be a thing that you need to, you need to look at? Oh, uh,
2: geez. How, well, it, I, like I said, like it went, like they're using one off the rails when I was 14. Um, when did I, yeah, quick. My first uh, treatment episode was at, I want to say it was 17. And there was, there have been many in between that one and the last one um in there was a period when i was 22 when i first came down to florida where i managed to stay abstinent for a little over four years and i thought i was in recovery at that time but the only thing that was in recovery you know nothing was in recovery i just wasn't using everything else was completely off the rails so uh, so
1: talk about that a little bit because you know i you know, we, we don't define recovery so much as like just putting the plug in the jug anymore, right? Like recovery is, is is a different set of actions. And I think we talk about what that looks like a lot, right? Like, you know, um, you know having you know, a healthy spiritual life, having a social life, having creative outlets, having financial response, et cetera, et cetera. But tell me a little bit, like what was it in those four years? Like what was some of the stuff that was showing up that, that now you look at and you're like, yeah, there was no recovery happening there?
2: Um, let's see. I was still completely financially dependent on my parents because, you know, everything I made at work went to like, uh, over shopping, you know, like just everything like sex, shopping. Um, I think the only thing I really didn't like dive in with was gambling. Yeah.
1: You know. So all, was, all those other kind of unhealthy ways that we cope yeah. were really big for you.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: Everything. And I thought I was doing swell.
2: Yeah, <laughs> and I thought, and when I and when I um ended up like going back out, right? That like I used that as a reason not to go back because this time that time in my life was so great it can it'll never be that great again. Mm-hmm. You know, funny shit your head tells you and, and all yeah. that. But, yeah. So after that, like from twenty six to forty two was, you know, it wasn't even. It, there was was medicine right I wasn't using for any sort of there was no enjoyment there was none of that it was to to function and that was it and then it didn't even work for me to function so what happened like prior to me uh getting help this time was uh for the two years prior to me seeking help a little over two years probably my mother and her partner uh both passed away my mother's partner first and she passed away from cirrhosis and then my mother Mm. shortly thereafter uh was diagnosed with a brain with a brain tumor and then she passed away and i had you know whether it was a nervous breakdown guilt grief whatever i was in bed for six months and then my my Mm. friends i had left were like you need help and i had no fight in me and i i i went and got some help nice Wow. So, it was, so be, like, you know, it wasn't like the physical bottom, like, you know, like, oh, it was like when I went to treatment, like ran out of money, like I'm facing consequences, all that kind of stuff. Like I finally had some sort of spiritual, like deep rooted, like internal. I mean,
1: the, the word that comes to mind when you say like stayed in bed for six months is like emotional devastation, you know, just yeah. done. Yeah. Yeah. So, and so you went 16 years, not a thought of recovery in those 16 years.
2: No, I mean, there were like Johnson, uh, you know, in and out of detoxes. Like I'd go into treatment centers to avoid some sort of consequences. You know, Mm -hmm. I was in jail for a year that kept me sober, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, but like there was no ever, ever thought that I was stopping. You know, it was like, this is, you know, I have nowhere to go. Let me go to treatment real quick. You know, it's a little temporary thing nice like insurance policy i was like i was like let me go into a state-run facility real quick you know that's
1: it's yeah yeah so um oh in the chat cortez johnson emotional devastation is accurate i appreciate the affirmation (laughs) (laughs) Um, but so uh so going into treatment you know did you go somewhere that was like you know, I think the language you use now is like LGBTQI responsive or no. did you go somewhere where you felt seen that way or? or No, I had had like
2: multiple like uh negative experiences in treatment regarding that. I had uh, two therapists, each at, at different treatment centers, tell me, one of them told me the reason why I use is because I'm gay. And then the other person at a different treatment center told me the reason why i use is because i'm not really gay
1: so oh, you're one of those fake was, gays. Just,
2: yeah i was a fake uh, you know i don't whatever it was you know i was just like you're pretty far off the mark so I, you know it it was just very strange and i went to you know i i found that it for me at that time you know, there was still a lot of fear and, um, you know what, I don't think people, I don't know. It, it was not, no, there was no like special, like reason why, you know, there was none of that about this place. This place is still around, but you know, there was nothing, there was no rainbow flag. Yeah. Right, so were day. you,
0: I think we might've skipped over this a little bit. When did you become, when did you come out like, um, across the board? Thank you, Probably, I mean, <laughs> when when did the words come out of my
2: mouth when I was uh I want to say 14 and I brought uh and I introduced my my boyfriend to my mother at that time and meanwhile you know m- my mom was a was a lesbian and she was with her partner and it I was raised and it wasn't talked about they were just roommates and friends and always had separate bedrooms you know but it's just something that wasn't talked about yeah even even with that like having like two moms there was still like there was still a shame in like I was seeing how you're not you know this is how you act as a homosexual couple yeah never say it out loud right No, no it's just like everyone thinks we're sisters we're roommates You know like we don't sleep in the same room we don't talk about it in front of you we show no affection towards one another Mm -hmm. you know is it's it was very it's just (laughs) you know (laughs) bad for them i feel very you know heartbroken for them
1: yeah yeah and you know um uh there i forget why but i ended i was reading this article probably a couple months ago where they talked about like all these hidden instances of, of homosexuality throughout history, you know? And it was like this story in this newspaper about these two women best friends who had houses next door to each other for 50 years. And it's like, come on now, you know? Um, and they had all these different examples of things like that. Um, but, uh, you know, that was a very real thing not mm-hmm. not too long ago. And it I probably still is real for some people today. That's, it's 100% real for sure very many yeah so so you experienced some challenges you know when first trying to get into recovery b- because of you know the system not really being built or even considering you a- as a person right so right. I mean, what and do you they, think you know it just it wasn't discussed
2: you know in most of the places it was just like this is uncomfortable yeah so that's how
1: it felt I mean I don't yeah. know if that's that's the that's the perception I got no it probably was you know that's not important work the 12 steps you'll be fine right, right? That do like, like they yourself. wouldn't
2: address like you know they were real like particular about like coupling with men male and female clients like but mm-hmm. you know I I was not well behaved in treatment but clearly mm-hmm. that was too uncomfortable to discuss with two male clients at the time
1: yeah you know um Absolutely. So, so what is, you know, maybe not what, what do you wish it had been like for you, but like, you know, what do you see now in treatment, in the treatment world that you think is, is really effective and beneficial to, you know, the LGBTQI population? What are some things that, you know, you've seen treatment centers do? And also maybe like, what are some things maybe for our listeners, you know, um, some ways that they could be more supportive of, of people in their lives?
2: You know, I think. Let's start with the second end of that question because I'll forget Hopefully. what I said before. But I think for like for people to be like a true ally, it has to um, the the craving for knowledge of how to be one, and not being afraid to ask, and not going with your preconceived notions as to what a good ally looks like. Because what we have is our preconceived notions are, you know, whatever we've learned so far, right, or like things we formulated. So to go to the, directly to the source. Now, this source is huge, right? Like, if mm-hmm. we're talking about the whole, like, rainbow spectrum, there is, I mean, I, I, I have probably, I mean, so far to go with all of this and how to be an ally to every single color on that spectrum. But, you know, as as people come into your life, don't be afraid to ask how you can be better. Like what can me, this one person do to be better? You know, and the same thing with like, you know, I guess that can roll over into like the the treatment field, you know, like, I mean, it, it's hard because you know, like say, you, you know, whatever the statistics are, say you have like 50 clients. So what are the statistics like? Mm, I'm not good at math. So let's just, it'll be like eight, might, you know, could be like that are out, right? Um, so is like, is it possible to provide like a special track or whatever you, you wanna say, like, you know, however, whatever the phrasing is, I, I don't know, you know, should, is it something that I think obviously there could be a way to incorporate more, you know, focus on that. Like, even if it is just eight people, they have a group, like if it's at the PHP or IOP level of care, like make sure that group feels heard and take them to LGBTQI plus meetings. Um, I know of like, there's one treatment center down here that is uh primarily it has become primarily for uh trans people prior to that it was for you know everyone and i always thought to myself now is that still like further yeah i mean it's yes it's a very safe place but it is still furthering the divide so i don't know on that front like i'm a little conflicted like i don't with my own like still struggle or it's gotten better but internalized homophobia like if i were to be put in a treatment center where probably the thing i was at that point in my recovery right like just fresh where i had to address the one thing that i really didn't like about myself like right around with everyone who might be in that same place might love themselves for that that was the scariest thing to me Mm -hmm. you know like it took me a while to feel comfortable within my own community
1: yeah and so. that's that's a, that's a really interesting thought you bring up right because like you know jason was talking about punk rock earlier right you know first there was just punk and then it slowly divided into all these little genres to where there's like these different little um you know just little subsects of, of this supposedly larger group right and i've always been of the mindset when it comes to treatment you know that like the idea of tracks like this is for professionals and this is for veterans and this is for lgbtq and this is for christians um you know i've always been kind of opposed to it uh because i feel like you know the the central problem that we're all here for right. is what binds us together that's very and that's that's probably a little bit of my 12 stepper coming out right like we're um what does a big book say we're like People from uh, you know who got onto a raft off a sinking ship, like we're not really worried about uh, yeah. their class or culture. Just trying to get away from this thing. And I don't, you know, that's that's
2: uh, I hear that in theory, right? Like, and it, it's it's a beautiful thought, and I understand why you're saying that. But also coming from a place where i you know it's it's hard it was harder for me to open up in these groups ab- about these things because i may or may not be ex- you know i might be hated i won't be accepted i'll be ridiculed all that childhood stuff coming back up and i know that yeah. everyone has that right so i don't know to what extreme everyone has that because i'm not them so that's why i'm so like, yes, if you get over that, like, when when it does happen, when you're in that group and you do, you know, release these things and you see the love come back at you, that is, like, the best thing ever. But is that for is any everyone able to do that? That's that's the,
1: yeah. Well, that's the counterpoint, right? Like, people recover better when they feel safe. Yeah. You know, and uh, we, you know, the reality of the world is that LGBTQI individuals are often unsafe and targeted and stand out. Um, you mentioned statistics earlier. And and I think last time I looked something like 45% of LGBTQ youth uh, contemplate suicide at one point, like before they're 18 have thought mm-hmm. about suicide. Um, so, uh, you know, did, did you ever struggle like that? You know, maybe not to, you know, but, well, yeah. I mean, did yeah. you ever struggle yeah. like that? There were
2: attempts. Yeah. 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 Of course yeah there was massive depression massive hatred of myself and then that was even before like the you know the, that was all there before i picked up and then once i picked up then things you know started really spiraling it just you know the recurring suicidal ideations were
1: you know always well- Well, I think I speak for a lot of people when I say that. I'm glad that you did not follow through with that. Um, I don't know if you've been seeing some of the comments in the chat here today, but we had uh, James earlier said, Zach Elliott is the fucking man and has gone above and beyond for me. I'm sober today because of his direct hand in my life. Um, And then Amy said, Zachary, you're a friend for life. I love everything about you and I am so grateful to have met you. You saved me in so many ways. I mean, that is that is some cool shit to hear yeah and uh I'm glad you were here to do that and I'm sure they are too right
0: um so how did you how did you you come to get the position that you have now at recovery unplugged (laughs) really uh
2: I I started here I started I came to work here at like right when the pandemic started I had not enjoyed working in treatment prior to this. And I was, you know, doing what I do, working in a restaurant. It closed. I was like, well, guess I'll go working back back in treatment for the next few months while this COVID stuff's going on. And I got hired as a tech. And one, you know, what I think is a skill set, others might not, is my complete lack of boundaries. So they're like, you know what? He may not be the best tech. He'll be good in alumni. So you know, about six months after I started, they were like, well, let's not get him. You know, so I started working with <laughs> alumni and it really has been, you know, I, I it's
1: been my favorite. What do you love about it? What do you love about working with alumni?
2: You know, like especially working up here in Lake Worth. Right. The detox and residential, you know, people come in so broken, like it, it basically one of the worst days of their life and within a matter of days you see that light come back in their in their eyes right so that it that to me when i said i still cry a lot like i cry a lot these you know and it's just it's such a beautiful thing to see it's i'm so grateful they allow me to be a part of this you know because it it fuels me you know and it, it's just and then staying in touch with them building relationships while while they're here and then seeing them grow you know it's
0: just, yeah. And and good stuff. working as a tech for me was, was, was very rewarding because I found that I would get along most with like the, the trouble clients, right? The ones who were, you know, for some reason they just were fighting it, you know? And cause that was me, you know, that was me. Mm-hmm. I'd walk into a room and be like, what's this guy going to fucking tell me, huh? Look at this. Prick i'm not gonna listen to him. This is gonna be fucking terrible like i'm gonna have a terrible time this whole time in treatment I wasn't that way when I came to recovery unplugged, but I was that way for for years leading up to it And I was always looking for the differences not the similarities. I was looking for things that I could argue with I would be like, oh, I hope this guy brings up this one quote from you know Whatever book they're gonna talk from because I know exactly what to say and like, (laughs) you know, like What is it? Um Prior to what is it? What is it that they say? The um, prior to investigation attempt prior to investigation, that's who I was. Mm -hmm. Um, So I would meet people like that, you know what I mean, to be able to talk to them when the therapists are gone, and you're there on property with them, and you everybody's sitting around listening to music or smoking cigarettes or just chilling. And then, you know, when you when you could actually ask somebody, like, it's more like peer to peer. Yeah, And like, you know, like, if you're so opposed to being here, like, why are you here? Because a tech can say that to somebody, you know what I mean? Like, but a therapist really maybe can or can't, but probably shouldn't. But like if a tech because you know, you got just a couple more months clean than this person. You're like, what are you really doing here? If you don't want to be here, like, are you just taking up space because, you know, people are dying to get in here. And then they'll... there's somebody
1: out there waiting for that bed you're wasting. Not that,
0: <laughs> not that gung-ho. Oh man, Perville, Texas is a different world. Man. I bet, I bet. Oh, but, you know, and then you would see these people kind of like, you know, let their guard down a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And then by the time they get out of treatment, they're like sad that they're leaving because all their family is, there. let's say it becomes like a family. And then they go out and then you go on to the next step which I I always thought that was like, looking back, like what a great time to keep on like being able to kind of restart like this very definitive step in your life right now. Like you're stepping down from this level of treatment and going to the next one. And even though you know some of these people, you're walking into what seems like a family that's been together forever, right? It's new to you, you feel like an outsider, but then within a couple minutes, like everybody's like, oh yeah, you know, I just got here yesterday. And it's like, come, welcome, and it's like, You step in and it's new and it's, and it's a little bit scary, but it's like these little things that, that build your esteem back up Mm -hmm. and like prepare you to, to go back out there and be a functioning member of society. Like that, that was one of my favorite parts.
1: It's beautiful. Early recovery is beautiful. It is. Um, So we would be remiss if we did not mention that as we are recording this episode, uh, we have just kicked off pride month, right? Um, so, so, you know, Zach, you know, tell us a little bit about, you know, what is Pride Month? What's Recovery Unplugged doing for Pride Month? You know, uh, what, what does Pride Month mean to you? Well, okay. Uh, hmm. Very you can answer whichever one of those questions. First. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going it. Yeah,
0: throwing a lot at them.
1: You know, I, I. I want to
0: kind of
2: touch on like the commercialization of pride,
0: right? It kind of, Ooh, kind of let's get
1: back punk back rock with it, yeah. Yeah. To
2: what we kind of were discussing in the beginning, right? Like, yes, it's great. Like, it is progress, right? It is so much progress that every June, every single thing that can you can make money off of has a fucking rainbow on it. Right? There's a whole
1: section at Target. Oh my goodness, oh,
2: so nice. But you know, so that, that's great. It brings like it it brings visibility so that, that that's all great that's very forward marching it's it's then been af, at the months after the months right like the yeah. other 11 months out of the year like how do we how do we support pride like um you know it's it's not just shopping in in june yeah you know it's uh uh being patrons to Owned businesses by that community. And it doesn't even matter. You're not talking about like pride month. They could, you know, like black history month, any of those things. Like we should, we need to be more, um, as, as a society, uh, you know, very punk rock, not fe- give, you know, giving the man all the money, but look like, you know, be local, see what companies you can support and let them grow.
0: And don't put the rainbow flag away on July 1st
2: no <laughs> yeah, if they go in, you know they go in the the attic like everything else you bring out the the american flag for that they cannot be hung together yeah.
1: well you know? well zach I, I i'm gonna hopefully maybe this will give you some hope for for the future and the direction the country's heading um my son my oldest is in middle school and they have a uh pride uh, a pride club and it's for lgbtq and allies very specifically and he he has a friend who is uh, bisexual or non-binary. So you know they're they're twelve. They're, yeah, they're, they're twelve. Um, but so he he decided to join this club to support her. And he shows up the first day, and you know he has both his ears pierced, and he had his hair dyed kind of blue, and he has this affinity for really short basketball shorts. You know, um, and he walks in, and this kid goes. Uh, one of the more flamboyant kids is like, "Oh my God, you're totally gay," and a he was not offended. He was just like, "Oh no, no, I'm not. I'm here to, I'm here because I'm a friend here." And and like I heard that story, and it made me so happy that like his response was like, "Oh no, no, I'm not. Like no, right. the complete opposite of what might have happened when I was in middle school, right? Right, right, um, right.
2: yeah."
1: And Wish he doesn't that- own. He doesn't own a rainbow thing, but he's a real ally, you know, or at least as best he can be at 12. And I think that's that's really cool. Yeah, that's where that's
2: that's you know ultimately where it does, it can start in a true way, right? When they're children. And don't then now you can get me started on what's happening in Florida, but we only have a few minutes left and I don't want to end the night in a rage.
1: I mean, I mean, there is a disclaimer at the top of the show that says that the uh, views
0: and opinions of the show are not those of <laughs>
1: Recovery Unplugged. But now we probably shouldn't
0: get into it. Mm. All right, so uh, let, let, let's get you unraged with some rapid fire questions. Though. Okay. Right. It's rapid fire question time. Deraged, uh, right. Is that the word? Unraged? Enraged. I don't even know if either of them are words, but whatever. Neither one of those are words. But Zach, I
1: feel like I got some good <laughs> ones let's for you today, buddy. That's enraged. That's enraged. There we go. The escalated? All right. Let's take me to okay. peace. <laughs> let's take me to peace. Wow, Greg types so fast. It is <laughs> <He> is good. <laughs> 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 is good. Behind the scenes, oh, Greg, man, we love you. All right, so let's go. We got five rapid fire questions for you right here. First off, if gun to your head, you got to pick one. Pizza or tacos? Only food you can eat for the rest of your life. Tacos.
0: Nice. So, that's correct. What is,
1: what's your favorite sad song?
2: Um,
1: Heartbreaker, The Cardigans. Oh, very nice. Very one. nice. That was a great era in the 90s. Those weird 90s. Anyway, sorry. Uh, okay. Earth has become entirely uninhabitable, and we are migrating to Mars the journey takes three years and you have to be with one person in the escape pod the entire time who are you going with? that i
2: know or like are we talking anybody
1: anybody ever um rob harris (laughs) (laughs) all right nice (laughs) um what is your favorite arnold schwarzenegger film kindergarten cop yes and finally what the fuck are nfts
2: oh. listen i'm still i keep seeing them and i know some people that you know make them i'm like can you make you know i i want like an actual living piece of this it's not that i don't know what an nft is, <laughs> is it, it's a hard currency not a clue not i'm for it though i don't know what it is <laughs> Uh,
1: Greg
0: can probably explain it to us. Yeah, but I don't, um, I don't want someone
2: to explain it to me again. You know, no, I've, okay. I've, I've <laughs> enough. <laughs> i enough.
0: I don't know how we went the whole episode without talking about Lou Reed or the Velvet Underground or I think any, that any that of our really many things good, in I'm, common.
2: I think just the subliminal right here was that was message to you.
0: Okay, thank you. I appreciate. It. I almost, I, you know what? I almost wore my uh, my banana shirt, but I'm, I would have been embarrassed, and it would have looked like we planned it. Well, it would have really been
1: so
2: because I was holding them up side by side. I'm like, which one, which one? And then I picked this, so. Good choice.
1: Yeah. Man, we didn't even get into, you know, during the 70s and 80s, we did have a bunch of gender non-conforming artists who were huge. You know, we had, we had Bowie, we had Pat Benatar, we had Lou Reed with the Velvet Underground, like so much. Yes, um, but it was
2: I've, theatrics, You know, uh, you know what I mean? Everyone knew, but it's still... All right, I'll get off my soapbox.
1: <laughs> oh man, Zach's got hot takes. I like this. Um, well, unfortunately, we are at the end of our time with you today, Zach. You know, we keep on talking about having like a just all music episode. Um, Zach is, is on the, the definitely coming back for that one. We could shortlist on that one. Yeah, love it. Um, but Zach, you know, you've got uh, what 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 is most more than likely the, the biggest platform you're ever going to have because this is the greatest podcast this is the best stream yes streams dozens of times every week um <laughs> so here's your opportunity um just you know what what's the last thought you'd like to leave us with as we kick off pride month or just you know, it doesn't have to be about pride about recovery just what do you want to say man
2: i just want to say for everyone just to keep on learning and keep an open mind there's so many beautiful things out there that you have no clue about
1: love it kaboom kaboom well you know i I know about a hundred ways in and out of addiction but as we like to say here on toxicology there's actually a thousand ways in and a thousand ways out and we should all learn about it thank you everybody thank you zach thank you